0: Jay, Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: And what Jay just said there earlier this morning—that's what Jazz fans are going to be thinking all off-season. So a doozy. I know you guys love when I say that—a doozy. Game seven, a doozy, <laughs> between the Jazz and the Nuggets. But in the Western <laughs> Conference, we're not done with Game sevens. Rockets, Thunder. 9 Eastern tonight on ESPN. Heat and Bucks will wet your appetite at 6.30 Eastern. So if you're an NBA fan, ESPN is the spot tonight. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, including Doris Burke, who will join us at 8, 10 a.m. Eastern, and Charles Barkley at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. All right, so the Nuggets get it done 80 to 78. Now an opportunity, J, for... James Harden, to get it done. This is game seven. This is against his old squad. There's a ton of people that think Harden just is out there scoring a ton of points, and that's great. And nobody doubts his individual talents, but this is a big spot in round number one for one of the greatest players of his era.
0: I think James Harden's legacy of winning, having a chance to win a championship is on the line here. And... Look, his legacy is cemented as, a, as one of the most gifted, innovative scorers we've ever seen in the history of the game. Like he's proven that, right? Multiple scoring titles, MVP. He's incredible. But at the end of the day, we evaluate teams or players on how many championships have you won, right? It's things that have haunted players in the past. Ask
1: Charles about that.
0: Astor, we probably will, right? <laughs> right. Um, and I, I think when you look at James Harden, the way things went down last game with Russell Westbrook taking the last couple of shots, those last couple of possessions. Me, as a basketball player, recognizing that, and, and Key and I talk about this as I think we were both alphas when we were on the court. And James is an alpha in a way, but I felt like at times James becomes passive around Russell Westbrook. Now, I thought it had to do with coaching. It did. Like, I, I really think that at that time you needed the head coach to say, hey, give the ball to James Harden, but also – He's not the only one at fault. James Harden needed to say to Russ, give me the ball, Russ. Take, Give me the ball. So I think tonight, if we have OKC, I'll ask you this, Key. Would it shock anybody here if we woke up tomorrow morning, if you didn't watch the game, and the headline was, OKC wins game seven? Would no, that I shock you? I wouldn't be shocked at all. Isn't that a problem? Isn't that a problem when you're thinking about, Multiple MVP winners on the same team having a chance to do to to win a championship with the Houston Rockets with the style in which they play?
2: Well, when they got Westbrook, the first thing people said, can they coexist? Two ball do- dominant players. Can they coexist? We saw what happened with C P three in Harden, right? They they had Golden State in the in the headlock and then when CP3 got hurt, it kind of got away from him a couple years ago. But he got hurt. Yeah, but he got hurt. It got away from him a couple years ago. The marriage ended. They moved on. Sent him to OKC. Now when you look at it, you say to yourself, what is James Harden? Where's that legacy? If you don't win a championship or you don't put yourself in a championship position, people are going to look at you as a regular season scoring champion, and that's pretty much it, an MVP. So you don't ever want to be – known just based on statistics. That's why always when we talk about winning championships, man, it was so damn important for me to win a Super Bowl. It was so important. It was important not only to win the Super Bowl, but be an important part of winning the Super Mm -hmm. Bowl to make sure that I had a great season, all of those sort of things. So when you look at it, yeah, our defense was dominant, but I played a very important role because that's important to be able to have a championship. I don't care about all them Pro Bowls and playoff appearances and Can I finish the deal with a ring on? Because it's like a degree; nobody could take that away from you. And when you win a championship, nobody could take that away from you. They could talk about the regular season and your champion and regular season and your MVP and comeback player of the year, but it's different when you got that ring on your finger.
0: Facts, and I think the narrative that facts is correct. Facts is correct, and I think the narrative then becomes if they lose Game Seven to Chris Paul. What kind of player does James Harden need to play with that can actually help him do that? It's not an alpha. It's not an alpha, right? Look, he's look the at alpha. the last two years. Right. Look at the last two years. CP3 yeah. was an alpha. That was a problem. Russell Westbrook, an alpha. James Harden take the last two. I don't know if James Harden is an alpha all the way. Yeah, James Harden like is an alpha in the way he scores, but I don't know if he's a demonstrative mentality of an alpha. Give me the damn ball, mm-hmm. alpha. That's that's Russell no, I Westbrook. He,
2: I, I think he I think he is that give me the damn ball alpha I think he is I've seen times where he's just basically in the games took it and took the shot you said what type of player would he need to play with it's not who he needs to play with it's him playing a certain way if you go back to his days at OKC when it was him KD Perk in in obviously in Harden when you look at that he wasn't the main focal point he was kind of a guy within with a bunch of guys. That's what he needs to be able to do is get with a team that got a couple guys that will allow him to do what he needs to do but not try and do too much.
0: So, yeah, you know what? You're maybe right. So maybe we need to, if, if this happens, then I think you have to start resetting expectations.
2: Yes. For it's, James Harden. Like, like, I don't need James Harden to score 40 points every night.
0: We're not going to win that way. We're not, go- we're not going to win that way. Wow. I- so then the conversation becomes, is James Harden... Our second best player? Our third best player to win a championship? Man, that's okay. There's nothing wrong. But you know, people will go crazy with a guy who can score 45, 50, one of the most gifted scores we've ever seen in history. That's like saying – But that's okay, But like AI, if we're saying AI, become a second option. AI won a championship being that guy.
2: What championship?
0: No, they, no he didn't. Yeah. I, I take that back. I, I, I didn't. You're right. You're right. You, you're right. i take that back. He went to the championship. He i finals. He went to
2: the finals. finals. Like and stepped I said time. Lack
0: of sleep. I'm out here. I'm struggling. <laughs> Mickey cut me. No, it's but all good. Right.
2: It's all good. We make mistakes and we correct them. That's what we do. It, but if you think about it, though, Z, yeah. and you go back to his OKC days, those the, the way that they style in which they play, that's what he needs, not the Dantoni system that allows you just to jack up threes all day long. No, you don't. No, it's not going to work with him. You, you can't do it. It's it, it has been proven that that is not the way to win a championship.
1: Could be the final game for Mike D'Antoni as well. He's 69 years old. His contract is up. There's been a lot of discussion around him. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Doris Burke is three minutes away. Tim Legler echoes exactly what Jay Will said. He said this on Mike Greenberg's radio show, Greeny, yesterday. Essentially, the burden on the beard is
3: heavy. till he gets them all the way, and I mean talking about 2A finals, he's going to continue to deal with this every time his teams come up short in the postseason. So I think a lot of it's going to fall at his feet. He has to have... A, a big time performance. When you dump, when you put your offense, Greeny, that much in one player's hands, the way that they do, it's unprecedented in NBA history. The way they operate their offense around one player, well, then you need to come through with a huge performance when your team has to have it. Um, so it's going to fall in large part at his feet, and I think obviously with Mike D'Antoni not having a new contract, I think that would lead to a coaching change as well. So there's going to be some definite changes the way you look at everything, and there's no question Harden can't escape this if they don't win this game.
1: I mean, Jay, I think that is put super well from the standpoint of, yeah, usage, all the the nerds, the numbers guys, they love the usage rate at the end of the day, but, Key, you're talking just what are my eyes showing me? Yeah,
2: it shows you that he gets a lot of shots up, he scores a lot of points, but at the end, they can't finish. And you can't win that way long-term in the NBA. I didn't play in the NBA, but I'm not a damn fool. I know what I'm seeing. I know sports. and. When you think about it, whether it was the great Phoenix Sun teams of Steve Nash. With D'Antoni, by the way. D'Antoni. Whether whether he was out in L.A. when he was coaching with us and couldn't figure it out. Or whether it's here in Houston. Or whether it was with the Knicks. You're going to always be at the top of the leaderboard in scoring. But at the end, you can't finish the deal. And I know CP3 had him in the position a couple years ago. And he got hurt and it kind of just disappeared. But you got two guys and MVPs, like you said, Jay, and, and Russell Westbrook as well as Harden, that are high-octane scoring machines. You can't have that without having uh, uh, some sort of plan in place when that doesn't go the way you envision it to go, and they do not have another plan in place.
0: You're all or nothing. That's what you That's are. That's it. You're all or nothing. There's I, no other.
2: There's no adjustment.
0: The scary part about all of this, though, Zubin, yes. is that— We still haven't seen the all yet. We haven't seen the all yet. We haven't seen both Russell Westbrook and James Harden get hot. And as an avid, diehard basketball fan, as a fan of sports, there ain't nothing better when you have two high-caliber players that get hot at the same time. If that were to happen, because, look, 2020, you had to expect the unexpected. But, But if that were to happen, that would be... I would give them a chance to beat the Lakers if that were to happen, if they got hot at the same time. If they got hot, they had to be extremely hot. But here's the thing. You're always on the edge of your seat waiting for it to happen because of the potential of it happening.
2: But you got to also take into consideration when one of them get hot, they going to stay hot and not shed a rock. That's, that's not necessarily of, true. That's part of the problem. No, man, that's part of the problem. That's you, not necessarily true. You know, true. Brooke going to try to go for 60 if he had 35.
0: I hear you. but and if,
2: Harden is at 35. He going to try to go for 100.
0: But there have been games and both those guys have had 35, 40 points, like where it just everybody else gets him where they fit in. Like that's what you have all the ancillary pieces but around have, them for.
2: But has that been in a situation in a game seven where all that pressure is on you now?
0: No, but I'm saying once again, the mentality is, look, survive in advance. My thing is you need to get to a new day in order to see what that new day brings you, but you need to get to that new day first. Think, think so of, you need a big-time game from James Harden tonight and Russell Westbrook to get by on game seven in order to get to a new day with the Lakers.
2: Think about Brook in game – was it five? Game five with the last shot? Was it five?
0: Brody, you mean game six. With it was the, game six. Yeah. Okay.
2: Think about Westbrook. I mean, he shot the ball. He didn't give it up. He decided he was going to take the last couple shots. Yeah. That's all that's all I'm saying. When you got that type of mentality, you you it's hard to change your mentality.
0: But that, that if you that, think, about, that's if you about, you think about Tony's problem, though, that's why you, he needs to be that person that is demonstrative, that actually specifies not, who you give the ball to at he, the end of a game.
2: Has he ever done that? As no, close?
0: but that's that's the problem. If you
2: can't. And my whole point is you're not going to change. You're not just going to all of a sudden change your philosophy and your thought process in your style, because your system you believe works and it's in place to win championships, even though you've never won a championship with it. But, You
0: just won't change, and that's D'Antoni. Let's get Doris's opinion on this because she always gives it right down the line.
1: Yeah, she's 20 seconds away. It's the 25th anniversary, by the way, of the Rockets' last championship. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin reminding you to check out ESPN Audio at Home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at Home is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service To financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz vans are ready for anything. And we are ready for Doris Burke. Hey, DB, good morning. That's our Twitter feed. We were talking about this morning, Doris. I know you were on the call for the Raptors and the Celtics. I called Brad Stevens the Kawhi of coaches. He's quiet. You don't hear from him. He's not demonstrative. But boy, is he effective. You were on the call last night. Take us inside why he has been so successful with this particular group.
4: Well, I just want to go to your first point, if that's okay, Zubin, because it's fascinating. You just said that about his temperament, and I'd love to hear what Keyshawn and Jay will think about this. Because Dave Pass and I, off camera, in between quarters, we're, were we were talking about this and sort of, you know, Jay. There's always this talk about a coach has a in the NBA has a window in which that, you know, if you're not Pop or Rick Carlisle or one of these guys who whose tenure is so long. Um, that there's a window and then your voice starts to not resonate a little bit. I think because of Brad's temperament, because he doesn't seem to get too high or too low. He's never a screamer. Like, he's always going to make his point. I've been in his training camps. Like, there's this evenness in the way he addresses these men um, that I think can help his tenure. So let me just throw that back at the guys. Do you think his tenure could be sort of like a pop because of that?
2: I do, I, I, and I think eventually he wins a championship, and and we're not even having this conversation, Doris. I think when you look at it, he also has the support of Danny Ainge in the front office. There's, you know, when mm. there's no grumbling going on in the front office, the coach can coach. Plus, players have bought in from day one, right? They, they, they like him, you don't hear any complaints about him, they're listening to him, because when you believe a coach, as you know, you'll run through a wall for him, and I think that's what we're seeing in in Boston, Jay.
0: And then, Doris, I would throw this back to you. I I think after watching how turbulent uh, the road was a couple years ago with Kyrie, and then seeing them grow through that, those relationships, bringing Kimba in, watching Brad Stevens manage that, It had to be difficult because the outside pressure on that relationship and and, and how he dealt with that, I thought was was critical. And I give him I give him a lot of credit for managing that. That that was challenging for him. And I I think players have bought into him for how he managed that.
4: And I think your point is valid. Like he's a guy who's always going to do a level of self-examination. You know, where can I get better? What are my failings? Where have I fallen short? And I'm sure he looked at that relationship with Kyrie and every guy on that team and how he managed each each one of those, uh, because that ecosystem obviously is constantly changing. Um, and just to Keyshawn's point about, you know, no grumbling. So at the center spot, which has been the one question hovering over whether they're championship caliber, look at what he does. You know, Cantor is critical in the last series. Uh, he basically, in the eight seeding games, splits the minutes at center between Cantor and Williams because he knew he might meet each in a different series. And so Robert Williams is perfect, right? He goes for 10 in the first quarter. They had to endure what they knew was coming, which was Toronto was going to th- throw the, the first punch last night. Uh, I just think, you know, his handling of, of the players and and Cantor being so genuinely enthused for the success of his team and Robert Williams, uh, is telling. And no, I'm curious. I I think what you've done is you forced Toronto to execute in a half court. They are nowhere near as lethal. Uh, you've you've helped them twice now with a with a high number of turnovers, and they they paid a little bit more last night, but not as much as required. And though I know this team has a championship pedigree and they've been down 0-2 before, it feels different than a season ago to me, guys.
0: DB, let me take you over to the game tonight, six thirty on the ESPN network. Uh, the mm-hmm. Heat versus the Bucks. The other day, Giannis was asked by a reporter, um, "How come you didn't guard Jimmy Butler?" And uh, I think, you know, his response His responsible because, well, coach didn't tell me to. What do you what right. do you take of that? I mean, obviously, it's, that's not the ma- only reason they lost that game. But ultimately, of Giannis and the mentality and answering that question, what do you make of that?
4: Yeah, I'm not going to go down that route only for this reason. OK, you know, number one, I believe he should have probably said I'm going to guard him. Right. Or coach, just I want that guy. Let, can I have him for the next, ten, you know, five minutes of this? Okay, that's absolutely 100% agree with that. But in no way am I going to question this guy's competitive fire. I think his nature is and his belief in Bud is so fundamental and so pure that it wouldn't cross his mind to to maybe challenge, you know, the matchup in the moment. Now, in the aftermath of this and the chatter and everything else, well, now it's brought to his attention. And I'll be very curious to see... Uh, do those matchups change particularly in those moments right it go back to when LeBron James wins um, the battle against Kawhi finally before the season shutdown and the battle against Milwaukee and he goes and seeks out those two stars because he's like okay it's my time I have to do this you know whether they score on me or not it's my responsibility I just wonder if that wasn't a sign, and I've not spoken to Giannis, I'm not close enough to to have this kind of conversation because my, my level is different here in the bubble. Um, it would be something I would ask him directly, like, did it cross your mind? Oh, I should do that. You know, now now that you've had a chance to think about it, how different do you think about it? Like, let's. I'm going to give the guy a little bit of a runway here, just because I know how competitive he is individually. So, was it a mistake in that game? unequivocally. But I think moving forward, you know, that probably changes now.
2: Doris Burke is joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Uh, Let me ask you about tonight's game, OKC against Houston. And for whatever reason or however it may unfold, CP3 takes care of business. We wake up tomorrow, OKC is in, moving on, and James Harden, Westbrook, and D'Antoni are packing their bags. What's the narrative that would be set about those guys in Houston
4: yeah I mean listen that's a it's a great question number one uh, I would say fundamentally like I in no way put put what happened at the end of the last game on James Harden's shoulders um, you know Russell I thought struggled throughout the course of the game the turnovers they run that particular action, Keyshawn, where Russell starts with the ball, he sort of gets himself to the elbow and throws it back to, to James. That never materialized. And to me, that's on Russell. Like, hold your dribble, get it back out, and, you know, find a way. And you know Russell is beating himself up in the aftermath of that game, and he'll come back like a house of fire tonight. Um, this this will be interesting because I think the long view of history will, will view Mike T- D'Antoni as revolutionary. He fell short in Phoenix. If not for a Robert Ory hip check, uh and, and the ensuing, you know, sort of practice that, that develops, do they win a title that that way that year? Um if Chris Paul doesn't pull his hamstring in that series, and this is the fine line between winning or losing, but when I talk to coaches Keyshawn, they say this man was revolutionary um to the game. So is the long view of history that or the lack of success in his particular spots, like the system only worked so, so, so hard. Um, so I don't know the answer to those questions. I think it's obviously something up for for long and strong and a passionate debate amongst fan bases. And I just going to say this about Chris Paul, you know, all they do is they hang around long enough for the maestro to take over his ability to get to that pull-up game, his ability to manipulate the game, the little shot he took in the post-game interview, some guys are built for that. You know, he's trying to get in their heads after game six for game seven. Like the guy, he makes me laugh. He's a joy to watch play, and you have to admire the competitive spirit.
0: DB, what do you, What does that say about CP3? Not only has he taken OKC to game seven, He's won the leaders in the NBA. This team has won the leaders in the NBA in clutch points. He's handled a boycott. Uh, essentially, he's been on the phone late night with LeBron James with Barack Obama. He's had mm. so much on his shoulders, yeah. but he still plays at such a high level.
4: Yeah, listen. You know, obviously, I feel you know quite lucky to do what I do to to watch these men, you know, hone their craft and do all these things. And Chris Paul, in particular, I've been covering him since he was at Wake Forest you know, going against your Dukies, which were always incredible matchups. You know, he's always been a leader. I think he's always been somebody who's been unafraid to challenge teammates, to challenge coaches, and now to challenge society. And the fact of the matter is very little change happens without somebody directly standing in front of you and wanting confrontation. And, you know, I'll go to Jimmy Butler for a cross-comparison. You know, Joel Embiid tweets out, hadn't tweeted in months, and after he watches Jimmy Butler close the Miami game, he tweets twice. Like, when you have a Chris Paul or a Jimmy Butler or a LeBron James, those guys, and and, uh, Kevin Durant, and uh, it goes to something Steve Kerr said about Kevin Durant, like, there's a handful of guys who can do these things, and... It's, you know, we're watching the best in the world do what they do, and yet there's this cream of the crop level. Like, for 10 years, Chris Paul was the best point guard in the NBA. Is he the best point guard in the NBA? No. But you know what he does? He fights on the margins for every inch and millimeter because he knows he's on the back nine of his career. Shoot, he's almost to the 19th tee at this point. (laughs) But, like, he's still fighting for the margins. He's trying to get better. And look where he's got his team. It's really something special, and we should appreciate it, Jay, Will. Oh,
1: so well said, DB. Great. So well said. Doris will be on the call tonight from Miami, Milwaukee, again, 6.30 Eastern on ESPN, and then the big one, 9 o'clock Eastern, Game 7, Thunder Rockets. Doris was brought to you by the new Ford Super Duty, built for Tough. Doris, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you. Thanks, DB. More NBA chatter with Charles Barkley on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line at 9:30 a.m. Eastern. Doris
0: is so good, the best. It's so good, just her ability to articulate people and their emotions and, and what they're thinking in those moments.
1: No doubt, we'll see her tonight on the call again. Still to come, Russell Wilson ranked ahead of Aaron Rodgers on our ESPN Top 100 NFL Players list for 2020. Had key all fired up, but what does our resident quarterback guru think? The guy that played the position. Yeah. Is he on board with Key? We'll see. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast.
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
1: Key, we're going to talk straight with one of your NFL Live partners, Dan Orlovsky, here in just one second on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. Mm-hmm. But to recap our earlier conversation, NFL Top 100 list is out. 100 players ranked by our 46 analysts on exactly who will be a best performer in the NFL this coming season. Russell Wilson is at four. Aaron Rodgers finds himself outside of the top 20, and that's your biggest burn.
2: Yeah, it, it really is, and, and there's nothing against Russell. I like Russell Wilson as a player. I would take him in a heartbeat. would love to have played with him, but Aaron Rodgers at that position is just different, and I know people say, well, he had not won a championship in a long time, and his team struggled, and it, man, that dude was in the NFC Championship game with us as his receivers, and I'll say that to the Kyles come home. Jay was on one outside, you was in the slot, and I was on the other side. That's who he was throwing to, a bunch of broke-down players outside of Devontae Adams. And so when you look at it, now I don't know the parameters of why or how they get to the rankings in the position that they put the players in, but if you asked anybody, and we'll ask Dan this, Yeah, you're taking Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers?
1: Let's bring him in to find out. Dan Orlovsky joins us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Key's teammate on NFL Live, 4 p.m. Eastern, and every weekday on ESPN. First quick, Dan, I probably should have asked you this in the commercial break. Were you one of the 46 that voted in this?
3: Uh, no, no, I, I haven't. I haven't climbed that wall yet to, to have that distinction. So, no, I did not vote.
1: So Key's in the same boat there. So what do you think of Key's comment here? Wilson versus Rodgers.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I actually would easily take Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I don't, buddy, what he's accomplished and how great he's been, and he's still a really good player. But Russell Wilson's the at at worst the second best quarterback in football right now. And so, um, you know, the what Aaron has been notorious for is making something out of nothing, and you know, kind of these these inexplainable type of plays we see those routinely out of russell still and last year you know for everything that went against seattle he had them in the divisional round on the road against the green bay and i, and I know key's point of NFC nfcb or the packers being the nfc title game is like valid I've, there's a lot of fool's gold there as well i mean i think they won like nine or ten games by less than six points or something like that you got to win the games i'm not going to knock them for that but like this was a 13 and three team that, and 13 and three team. They did not go 13 and three on the backs of their quarterback and his dominant play and their skill position players. So uh, I, Russell Wilson will have a better season than Aaron. He's got a much better team around him complimentary pieces-wise as well.
2: And that's why you didn't get a vote. Okay, anyway, let's move along. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> neither did you. <laughs> no, I'm dead. Neither did you, <laughs> Yeah, that's true, too. So, Dan, let me ask you this. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, and Garner Minshew, which one of these uh, second-year quarterbacks is prime for a big-time sophomore season?
3: Yeah, it's Kyler Murray for me. Uh, and there's something that Kyler Murray can do that will take him on a rocket ship, and he'll be in the running for – you know, fringe MVP or Offensive Player of the Year, we, they obviously add Hop, right? And so I, I think the biggest adjustment with him and Hop comes from, you know, DeAndre Hopkins isn't this timing type of receiver. It's not like he's, you know, um, extraordinary. He's more of like he's never covered. He's such a good contested catch guy. Ball is in the air. He always makes the catch. And it's really like Kyler getting comfortable with that. Like, when you often, Key, you know this, like when a quarterback looks at a receiver, it's like, well, is he going to get open? Do I sense separation? That doesn't really matter with Hopkins. You just make sure that you throw it in his vicinity, give him those one-on-one opportunities. That takes time for a quarterback to get comfortable with. I'd say this, Kyler was the most sacked quarterback in football last year. 48 sacks, right? And so as you watch the tape, you go, how many are on the offensive line stinking, and then how many are on the quarterback? 13 times Kyler took a sack last year where he just didn't need to. He just, like, the ball could have gotten out of his hands. There's a receiver open at four or five yards. Just get it out. And just the the impact that has on his offense. Lamar took a massive jump. Lamar Jackson, massive jump from year one to year two. In year one, he was sacked 16 times in 160 pass attempts. So one every 10 times Lamar threw the ball, he was sacked. Sacked 23 times in four. So, like one out of every 19 attempts. This massive jump that you could take as a quarterback when you realize getting the ball out helps. Last year, Kyler was sacked 48 times, so, and a 520 attempts, like one out of every 11 attempts. So, like, if he just cleans up those little things with the addition of the talent and his growth in a second year, this kid's going to repeat conversation. He's going to be that good. And I had to say, caveat with, They took a kid out of Houston, Josh Jones, of the offensive line as a tackle. If he plays really, really, really well, some people thought he was a first-round pick, Cardinals offense is going to be scary. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Dan, Dan, you're you're breaking up a little bit there. I know that Westport service, I have the same thing. I feel you on that. I wanted to ask you, you're the biggest Carson Wentz fan at the company, my man, the biggest one. I hear you talk about it all the time. (laughs) Dak Prescott is ranked 20th on this ESPN NFL 100 list. Wentz comes in at 39. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, Zubin could be ranked 20th for the the talent that the the Cowboys So, Like, listen, um, I would say this. If Carson Wentz was on the Cowboys this year, he wouldn't be ranked 20th. He'd be ranked in the top six or seven in the NFL. I mean, their offense is loaded, loaded. And so any quarterback is going to go and play well. Their depth will play well. But... There, I'm actually surprised Dak is not ranked higher because the, the talent that they have. They have, you know, probably a top three receiving core. Jarwin's a baller tight end that people don't know about. Their offensive line will be top five in the NFL, and obviously have a top three back. So um, Carson Wentz is the better player. This is not a discussion. This is not up for debate. This got solved last year. We, if if Dak Prescott loses, Amari Cooper, Gallup and Tyron Smith and Zeke Elliott for some time and leads this team to a division title and accomplishes things historically that haven't been done at the position, like Carson Wentz did last year in Philly, then maybe we will revisit. But for right now, this conversation has been closed.
2: Mm. Okay, Dan, if you say so. But let me ask you this question, though. Let's see if you can close this one. The Chiefs obviously gave – the big deal to Patrick Mahomes, big money monster deal. Now Deshaun Watson is up for extension. Will he get treated the same in Houston? And if so, should he take it or should he look to go somewhere else?
3: Oh, that's a great question. Key. Um, I would look to go somewhere else. Um, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of lack of structure in Houston right now. I, and I'm sure he loved that organization and loved that city, but uh, you know, ever since the death of Bob McNair, rest his soul, uh, it, it, there there just doesn't have not been good front office moves there. Bill O'Brien's a good coach, not a great coach, but a good coach. And I would just sit there and go, man, I don't know if I really trust that this organization is going to put me in positions to play well and succeed the way Brett Veach and Andy Reid do, and the Hunt family in Kansas City. I will say this about the Sean Watson. He is absolutely phenomenal. He's actually my sleeper pick for MVP this year. Best offensive line and most cohesive offensive line. He's had three big time receivers that can go vertical. So, will he be treated the same way? They better. They better. Houston better because, you know, he's the main reason why they're even in the conversation to win their division and go to the playoffs. He's that spectacular. He's going to be um in the breath of of Patrick Mahomes for the next dozen years in the NFL now dependent on how they support him will be if he elevates to that level or not but he's he's spectacular so Houston should get the deal done because don't wait till the end of the season to get the deal done because he is going to be in the MVP conversation
0: this season
2: i'll talk to some people about helping you get that vote <laughs>
0: Man, you and Keyshawn are like Who's fire and you, ice. Man? You guys are like Who's fire and ice, you? Dan and Key. You guys need, yeah, I, I like this. Who's we will, better
1: than you? Yeah, we will see Key, Dan Orlovsky, the whole gang, every weekday afternoon 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN for NFL Live. Dan, thank you very much.
2: All right, Dan. See, see you good this guys. afternoon, man.
1: All right, he mentioned Bob McNair, the late owner of the Houston Texans who has... Passed away. We'll see what happens with the organization moving forward. Still to come, one of the all-time great intimidators on the court is dancing back into our lives. If you love watching one of the most popular shows on television, that's next.
0: Jay, Will, and Subin, the podcast.
6: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do.
1: let's roll and we will start this morning with tennis the u.s open it is day three in flushing queens not too far from where we are at the south street seaport studios in lower manhattan we're going to start with serena defeating christian in straight sets seven five six three in her first round match on was a round of 16 player last year so she's a very good young talent williams 102nd victory at this major, breaking a tie with our Chris Everett for the most U.S. Open wins by a woman in the open air. She's looking for that elusive next Grand Slam, which would put her in company with Margaret Court and the all-time list at the very top.
2: I think this is the year, Z, for her. No fans, all the, she, the intensity. She could just deal with it herself and get that intensity going without the fans. I think it's going to be perfect.
1: And it's awesome for tennis fans. No Wimbledon this year, but at least you got the U.S. Open every single point streaming Somewhere on the ESPN networks. Nuggets and Jazz, whew, last night on ABC. What an ending. In the final seconds, Mike Conley could have hit a three to end the game and end the series and give it to Utah in seven, but instead it rims out. Denver overcomes the 3-1 deficit for the first time in franchise history. It's only been done a dozen times in playoff history, period. They'll move on. They got the Clippers in game one of the Western Conference semifinals, Jokic, Murray, PG, Kawhi.
0: Yeah, I was going to say last night, you felt like when Utah was charging back, what would the energy in the building have been like in Utah? They were playing that game at home, game seven, but the series would have been... You just think, you know, if you had the energy of the crowd, it might have been a different scenario.
1: Right, but for the next 40 days, we're going to have an NBA champion here in 40 days. It's going to be a tough to just watch it without fans. But or Denver.
0: We're... game would have been at Denver, actually. Yep,
1: right, with the uh, seating there, Denver with the two-seed, three-seed. So we'll see what happens, but both passionate fan bases. Dancing with the Stars, speaking of passionate fan bases, you can't be on TV this long without ever changing your format and be this successful. Dancing with the Stars is back September 14th on ABC. This season... We've got Nelly. By the way, Nelly's 45 now, if you want to feel old. NBA great Charles Barkley. No, Charles Oakley. Excuse me, Excuse me, Oakley. Barkley Barkley will be on with us. At 930. Excuse me. Barkley would
0: be great on there, too, though, by the way. He
1: would. Super Bowl champion Vernon Davis. Uh, Tiger King star Carol Baskin. I need a little bit of a uh, lesson on that. We've also got the figure skater Johnny Weir. You always see him now commentating during the Olympics. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that one of us three has personal experience on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Key, take us dance. back, take us a trip down memory so lane. Sometimes. Turn on ESPN News if you're it here. Turn fun, on ESPN man. News it right was, now. You
2: know, look at was, you with the fun. collar popped. No, it was it was fun. It was there he is. You know, it was one of those experiences that you just step out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and you try to <laughs> woo. That's, you know, that's a move that way.
1: ESPN News. <laughs> P-
2: it, hey. was, it was so you know it was just one of those deals. That you're a little uncomfortable, but. I was able to get it in. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is I was the first one voted off, right? I, I And usually when you're the first one voted off, that's because you're bad. Right. But this, this you know, that's where the stars is really geared in terms of voting and stuff like that is is social media. And at this particular time, I wasn't a social media. I'm not a social media guy now. And so people that were there uh, had big social media followings. Plus, not only that, they put me on there with about, Six professional dancers mm-hmm. that had professional dance experience, right. whether it was mm-hmm. Kristen Emilian, who's a R&B singer who dances in videos, right. or Corbin Blue, or uh, uh, who else was on there, The uh, Amber uh, from Glee, who actually wind up winning. So I'm up there with all these dancers. It sounds like
0: a lot of excuses to me. No, man, it just say,
2: <laughs> look, man. I'm up there with all these dancers. I had fun though. It was, it was a, it was a lot of work.
1: What was the practices like? I've heard they're oh, just. Exactly, clean. that's why I went. You, you were You were working at ESPN
2: at the time. I was correct? working at ESPN, so I would at the time when we first started, I was in Hawaii on vacation. So they sent my partner to Hawaii wow. to interrupt my vacation to dance. <laughs> so I would dance. I would practice probably. Six hours a day. Wow.
6: And Six the, hours yeah. a day. And
2: so when I come to when I would come to the city, go to Bristol. Um I would get in on a Saturday. I would have practice on Saturday, do the show on Sunday, then practice again on Monday before the Monday night show. Fly home to LA what? Tuesday when yeah. Yeah. That it sounds was, like too much work. It was a, a lot it was a lot It, was a, it was a lot of work, but it was fun, man. You you get to experience something that you, you otherwise I wouldn't you think I'm gonna sign up for dancing and it took me forever to do it because they had been asking me for like ever you want to do it you want to do it and I'm like no nah, I'm good I don't to do it I don't do so it so
1: what eventually they went to your agent what turned the tide for you
2: I just I got tired
0: of him asking
1: hold on, Keith, <laughs>
2: hold on.
0: I'm not gonna let Zubin keep asking you questions
1: what's going on he's never watched Tiger King yeah, this is true What do you mean? So I had to roll through Carol Baskin like I knew who she was, but I have no idea who she is. So,
2: how do you? Okay, so first of all, we are in a major pandemic in the middle of the spring. We are. There's only two things that you should have really honestly paid attention to, or else you were under a rock. There's Tiger Kings in The Last Dance. Oh, I saw The Last Dance. If you didn't watch that, (laughs) so Carol Baskin allegedly fed her husband to these tigers. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Don't know if she did or she didn't. I don't, you know really don't care. And but, now
0: she's on Dancing with and the And now stars.
2: she's on Dancing with the The only place in America that you can, you know, do that is only here.
1: At the top of the hour, Donald Trump weighs in on saving the college football season. I can't believe
2: this dude hadn't seen Tiger
0: King. <laughs> what? Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.